Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on the other side of our screen. Amanda's sitting over on the couch. We went from super freaking summer weather to, I don't know what this is. Is this, is this seasonal right now? No, this has to this be below. You know what? It, it probably is seasonal. I don't know. I feel Whatever like, it is, I don't like I it. I feel like every April we go through this same thing because you'll always get like a couple of nice days or even a week maybe more in March where it's like oh spring is coming and then we get hit with tease with like a, an April chill and everybody loses their minds like winter's back and like it happens every year we should be more prepared I'm not prepared for any of this stuff not only am I not prepared I do this every year I had already washed and put away all of my kids snowsuits and hats and gloves and you know I was pulling the winter jackets back out yesterday so Mom fail. I do it every single year. Do you think you'll do it again next year then? Of course I will. I don't learn from my mistakes. Well, this, is just, <laughs> this is just silly now. This just doesn't make any sense. It's like I just can't wait to get rid of the winter clothes. It takes up so much space in our hall closet. And I have these little baskets at the in the um, entryway that have like their gloves and their hats. And I just want them out of there. I want to see my table again. And yeah, I get too excited and I get rid of it. I'll never learn. Well, hey, everyone, it's Amanda, and it's not so bad. It's sunny out there. Um, but yes, I did come in here in a, a puffy jacket because it's getting cold again. And we are talking to Cheryl tonight on Zoom. And dun, dun, I believe dun. she just said she's on Manitoulin Island. So let's see what the weather's like there. Um, I think she's more in a blanket fort. She is in a blanket <laughs> fort. Which... <laughs> It looks cozy. The blanket fort is hiding like the bare studs and OSB board behind me because I'm in the process of building a house. I mean, it's built. I just, there's things that need to be done like insulating and um, insulating, uh, drywall, all that stuff. I, I I managed to get through winter without insulation, which was quite a feat. Wow. How was that? Sounds awful. The wood stove was my best friend. So like, this is going to sound so weird. What was your sleeping attire? Um, oh, I have like, uh, really sorry for people who don't like cashmere or wool, but I have like wool cashmere blends and, um, and, and that was, and, 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 um, I had, um, some electricity, not much, but, um, a couple of plugs during the winter so i was able to use an electric heating blanket right, right. oh my goodness i don't know if i can ever do that no i really really I really despise right cold now. you really yeah like no wonder she was just looking at us like why are you guys complaining it's like <laughs> it's over zero what's your problem <laughs> oh i know it was it was i think the worst part was like when it was like because you know it would always like snow on the days like where you wanted to go out and like bring in a whole bunch of wood into the house to feed the, the stove and um and so you'd be like, you'd have to like take your shovel and like shovel out your wood piles and like just to bring in some wood. Sounds so tough. When I was asking you, Cheryl, <laughs> before we before we started recording, when I was asking you, like, what are all your titles? I'm now thinking there could be so many more. And did I hear you correctly? You were cutting out a little bit at the beginning, but are you building this house yourself? Yeah, like, I mean, not, I mean, yes, yes. So, so I, I basically, uh, with the help and guidance of of some of my wonderful neighbors that you have the, there are the best neighbors here on the island people are like they're just like they'll jump in and they're just like what do you need we'll help you and they help me rough in my plumbing and they help you know they helped guide me on how to do all my electrical so i did all my own electrical rough in um this sounds dangerous <laughs> 
I hired a, a couple of guys to do the foundation um, and I participated. And part of that was roughing in the plumbing um, and electrical. And yeah, 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 I've I've had a hand in in most of it. Yeah, it was a wooded lot a year ago. Well, just over a year ago. And where where were you moving from? London, Ontario. Why the move? Well, it was a sort of an unfortunate thing. I I had been living and practicing out of a, 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 ho- a house that I was renting for many years. And I had a very, very, very full practice, um, mostly in the motor vehicle accident um, area of things. I, yep. I'm with uh, Fisco and, and HCI to, to directly bill auto insurers. So um, I was pretty busy. And um, then, um, which brings me to a funny story I'll tell you in a second. Um, and I ended up getting evicted because the landlord decided that she was moving back in. So I had two months to figure out my whole entire life. And I mean, you know, during the pandemic, things that rents went through the roof, everything, all the prices went through the roof. So I thought long and hard about it. And I thought, you know what? I just don't want to pay $36,000 a year in rent. Hmm. Uh, Like I don't want to have to work that much (laughs) more out of my life. Rather, I'd rather have, because, you know, there's that whole balance thing. You need a balance in your life. And I thought if I'm working to make $36,000 just to pay rent, then my quality of life is not going to match, you know, my work life. So um, I had bought this lot and it was just a wooded lot that I thought, oh, maybe in like 10 years, 20 years, I'll have a place there Mm. to go to. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it now. So, um, so I packed up my life into a storage, uh, CCAM basically, and had it shipped up here and came up with my three dogs and lived in a camper van all summer and fall. This is wild. Yeah. And so now, okay. So now I'm on, I'm, I'm starting a new practice up here. Right. So basically I started, I, I started building, like opening up the practice in the winter. So here I am, like, I don't know how much harder I need things to get for me, but I, I decided to start a new practice on an island in the mid- winter where nobody knows who I am. <laughs> Great idea. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So, and it's starting to build, it's starting to build. But this brings me to the very funny thing that I wanted to tell you was that today I was working with a patient and I just had this thought in my head because I thought, my God, everybody I work with on the island, their levator tendons are just like so hard and so tight. And I'm I'm in there and I'm working and I'm like, why does every, it's, it's a phenomenon. Everyone on the island has the same thing. And I thought there must be something about island life. Yep. And then I, it, it occurred to me, it occurred to me, I'm like, oh, I didn't take many new patients in London because I was so busy, right? I had the same people for years and years, right? And, and I really, I wasn't, I, I wasn't able to take a lot of new patients. So here on the island, everybody's new to me. 
So of course they haven't had me in there, you know, like working on their tendons and and their muscles and getting in there. And, and that's one of the areas I really work very specifically in is, is in, you know, the neck and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was like, oh, they just haven't had years of me in there. It's true. I feel like everybody's probably, everyone's neck and shoulders are just a hot mess because of the way we live. We're always on devices. Everything we do is in front of us, right? Like we're driving, we're cooking, we're on our phones, we're on tablets, we're on computers. So everybody's kind of a mess in there. But if you can tell somebody's body who gets like regular treatments, whatever that is, whether it's massage, acupuncture, chiro, like somebody who takes care of their their muscle tissue and maintains it and keeps it healthy versus like the person who's coming for their first massage at 55. And you're like, what is happening? I had a, a patient one time uh, get on my table for the first time. And she told me she had had massage before. She wasn't like somebody who went regularly, but she had had massage. And I put my hands on like her upper back area. And I was like, I can't even say there's muscles here. This is just muscle. Like just one giant rock hard wad of muscle, the entire upper back. How many RMTs are there? On the island. Oh, you know what? I'm not entirely sure how many are on the island. There's not that many, really, to be honest. Yeah. Um, in in the town that I go to, which is Little Current, um, and that's what Little Current is the the most northerly part of the island. So it's where you come from. Like if you're driving from Sudbury, um, and you you go south to the island, yeah. uh, that's where Wing Bridge is to get onto the island, and the town is called Little Current. So that's where I have my office. And as far as I know, there's only three of us and two of them work out of their home. I think I think we've met two of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we've had I'm pretty sure we've had two of them take courses here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we probably know your other two, the other two RMTs in your town. And I know them both and they're both very wonderful. Um, and the other there's another one who's not registered anymore, um, but she's here on the island just not not practicing massage therapy. I'm just realizing we didn't even do a proper introduction. Let's but before that. we do, I just want to ask Cheryl, because when you told us the story of what prompted the move from London to the island, you said that you had bought the property. So you kind of knew that at some point you were going to move there. What makes a person decide I'm going to move to a remote island? Oh, why did I choose? Well, yeah. you know, I... Part of that has to do with with massage therapy because, first of all, I wanted to go to a place that had a lot of inland lakes and forest. Those were my two things. Like I, I just envisioned myself near water and with lots of forest around. I really love. I I think I as much as I love the water and how peaceful it is. I think I like the forest, even just like being surrounded by forest a little bit more. So I had two places in mind, um, and one was Quebec. Um, I love Quebec. And one was Manitoulin Island because I had been here once before, um, just once. But it was beautiful. I took the Chichimon Ferry, and it was just like a really it's, – it's a really spiritual place, okay? It's like you, you come here, and, and there's a certain thing that, that you feel. That you, get, you get very connected. To the island. So, um, my the reason I chose Manitoulin over Quebec was because I didn't want to have to to have anything interfere with my um, registration. Right. So I thought, well, I can be in this place 
and this beautiful place, you know, on an island and still be in Ontario. Right. right? That makes sense. Nothing will change with my with my um, career. Well, let's actually do a formal introduction then. So you guys have got a little bit of an idea who we're talking to. It's Cheryl at RMT in Ontario, living in Manitoulin Island in a half-built house that she's building on her own. If I'm <laughs> if I'm not a spiritual person and I end up on the island, would I still feel that spiritual thing that you're talking about? Hmm. Okay. I'm going to tell you that I'm like, okay, yeah, and you'll if you've seen any of my posts anywhere, I'm not a very like spiritual person. I'm more of a I'm like really science based. I'm kind of a hard ass, you know. Can I say hard ass on your show? Yes, you can. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm kind of like give me the facts, you know. Like just, just I'm I, I I love nature, but like on that spiritual level, I'm I'm far more to the scientific side of things. Let's say that. And when I came here, it was really interesting. Um, I was I was driving down the road the other day and like everywhere you look, there's like lakes and beauty. It's beauty everywhere. And I just had, for some reason, I just was driving and I just felt like these chills, just chills. And I was like so connected to the land. And, and you know, I mean, it's, it's funny for me, like, because that's not usually my way of speak, if right. you know what I mean. Yes. So, yes, probably you would, Mark. I think you would. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people come here and it's the tourism here is like it's incredible. It's an island thing, I think. Didn't um, we hear the same thing about Hawaii? It's like you go there and it's just suddenly you're like, I'm home. It's there's like a Mm -hmm. connection to certain places. And I think it's I think it's islands. I was in Hawaii. um, And I did not feel the same connection as I I do here. Interesting. Loved Hawaii. It was really nice and warm. Plus I was on a 10 day cruise, so that didn't hurt. (laughs) All right. So sorry I interrupted your uh, intro. Yeah. I was just going to have Cheryl introduce herself really. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been practicing as a therapist, why you got into massage in the first place. And I mean, you've already kind of told us what type of practice you have and we know you're rebuilding, but a little bit about your start in this profession. Mm, Okay. Well, I'm a graduate from Darcy Lane way back in the day. Uh, I mean, way back in the day, I, I certified, I certified in 1996, October of 1996. So this has been going on for quite some time, but I did now, and this is really interesting as well. And I think this is what makes me a better therapist, to be honest, because, um, like better, that way better than I was initially, because I took I I started practicing and I had, you know, uh, uh, several years of practice under my belt. And at one point I decided to just go and be a bohemian gypsy artist in California for a while. And I just was, you know, doing other things. And then I came back to to London, Ontario. Um, First, I went to Ottawa. Okay, so I practiced in Ottawa after London and then I had some fun in California and then I came back to London. And I was told that I I couldn't um, recertify before unless I took refresher courses. Mm-hmm. And and it's so vague. Well, it was so vague that I didn't know. I mean, I knew the refresher courses I had to take and the tutoring I had to have and right. everything. But I did not know 
just how much of my my original course load that I had to know <laughs> to 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 pass the refresher courses. Right. So um, I ended up studying for a year. I took a whole year, and I worked in factories at the time. Um, I worked in a like steel stamping factories where they make like automotive parts mm-hmm. uh, slippery things coming flying at your face and um, <laughs> loading and i'm we talked uh in the beginning well we, we before we started recording about like height and i'm short so i'd have to load the big bins you know full of parts <laughs> so i really like everyone would laugh at me all the time because i'm this short girl and i'd be like like bent over the bins like putting things in the bins all these <laughs> I'm picturing like a car- a cartoon Cheryl like going face first into the bin and like just her little legs flailing out. <laughs> so entertaining for those people that work there. They were like, you know, and then um and then this one metal stamping factory. They they were like, yeah, we put in a request because I was temping, and they put in a request to hire me, and I'm like, oh oh no, <laughs> this is not. Nope, I'm not. Uh, this is temporary. Yeah, I'm not a lifer. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be a massage therapist again. Like, uh, you know what I mean? I was like, "There's no, there's no hiring here." So anyway, um, they, uh, they, yeah. So I gave many people many laughs with my legs dangling out the sides of the <laughs> my pink steel toe work boots. You know, it was I was I was quite a show, I guess. But um, then I then I ended up. So I took a whole year and I studied and studied and studied. I went over my whole course load and I did a lot of. Um, like in the process of going over the course load, I was actually able to apply my previous hands-on experience with the initial knowledge. And then in that somehow like you gain more knowledge and then you're applying the two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you're applying hands-on experience with all of the um, knowledge and some of it you've forgotten over the years, right? Like there's some like, you just do, you know, you can't remember everything. And um, so it was really quite a unique experience to, to start practicing again, having spent so much time reviewing the initial course. Yeah, that would be that would be so interesting. I feel like if I had to go back to school now with all the experience I had and knowing everything I know, I would like, I feel like I would just become such a better therapist because I'd be remembering things that I'm like, oh, yeah. So just so <laughs> just for everyone listening that doesn't know the process, basically in Ontario, because Ontario is a regulated province, if you are inactive or you have less than 500 hours in the three previous years, then the college requires you to take a refresher course and they also require you to spend X amount of hours, I don't know how many hours it is, with a with a college-approved tutor. And uh, so that's, that's the process that we're talking about now. Yes, which is not the easiest thing because I had to drive to Hamilton every week to, to meet with the tutor because there were no tutors in London. Yeah. They're very... They're very... Uh, Few and far between. Yeah, and they can charge whatever the hell they want too. There's no... There's no set fee schedule for what they would charge. Yikes. Yeah. He was really fair, though. My yeah. guy was fair, and he he charged me just his hourly rate, which at the time was only $55 an hour. Mm. So, Did you need a year of refreshing stuff? Oh, no, 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 not after. At the end, I didn't. Yeah. I really did not. But I didn't know, right? Right. I had no idea what I, how I was going to be tested, 
I didn't have any clue, but um, I'm really glad I did it. Like I, I have no regrets about that. So now you quit the uh, the steel plant, and everybody's sad. <laughs> Their entertainment's <Right>? gone. <laughs> Forklift driver is very upset. I knew I was going to pass. Like I just knew. Yeah. I was like, okay, I know this. So um, I actually had a job um, like three months before I was recertified. I I went and found a job like to be prepared. So yeah, I was ready. So what does that practice look like then? Is it just kind of continuing where you left off or is it something different? Once you got recertified, what was your, the job that you secured for yourself? I was a massage therapist at a, at a chiropractic clinic and that lasted, that lasted a little while. Um, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really what I, what I wanted to do because, um, in that particular job, I was I was told what to do with my patients as opposed to me like having my own assessments and my own, which I still did my own assessments, right. of course. But but I was I was basically like when people were sent to me, mm, I was told what I was yeah. supposed to do. But well, that's not really how I work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a bad job. It just wasn't how I wanted to 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 run my practice. Right. And it wasn't, I, I wanted to do my own assessments and have my own, you know, with, I I'm happy with the input. I just didn't want someone to tell me what I'm supposed to do and then get, get in there and say, well, this isn't ma- maybe what I'm feeling, you know, yeah. needs work. Is this where you started to get the exposure to doing the MVA stuff or did that come later? A little bit later. It, it, it didn't take me long to get to that. Basically, I went from there um, and then I had another little like just kind of part time gig with another chiropractic clinic. Um, And then um, I I saw this ad and and um, realized that the the physiotherapist, she ran a a, a rehabilitation center, mostly for neuro issues. So a lot of stroke, MBA, like, you know, traumatic brain injuries and um a lot of central nervous system um, conditions. So uh, I saw this room for rent and I thought, oh, I'm going to go and talk to her. Then I found out she was a part of this whole community of friends that I had. And um, so I thought, okay, well, we'll talk. And we talked and we just hit it off and it was fantastic. And basically I was a part of the whole clinic, the rehab center, but I was renting from them. So it was my own practice within the physiotherapy clinic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were very collaborative and, and it was amazing. And the things that the, the patients I was, I was having referred to me, they were, they were a lot more complex than I was used to dealing with before that. When you say collaborative, what does that look like for you? Is that like you're 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 speaking with the other professionals and you're getting together to discuss cases, or is it just like we're really just kind of sharing sharing patient load? What does collaborative look like? What do you mean by that in this in this case? Very much so communicative. Uh, very much so that they would we we had referral forms we would write to each other if we were sending someone to each other. Um, there. <clears throat> There was a lot of communication. We would talk in the office or email constantly. We had staff meetings, you know, all the time. Uh, if we worked on someone, 
And then we knew they were seeing, like, just say if I was working with a patient and I knew they were seeing the physiotherapist or vice versa, or like, you know, uh, anyone else in the clinic, then, then we would discuss it. We would send them a little note and say, Hey, this is what I found, you know, just so you know, or it was, it was truly collaborative, very collaborative, like very, very patient centered, like extremely, there was no egos, um, which, you know, I had experienced previously. There were no egos. There were no, it was like, Hey, you know, if you have something to, to tell me about this patient that is useful, um, for our session, um, please let me know. And we, we also had, I mean, we had forms for people to sign consent forms for us to be able to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear that, that it, it's truly collaborative because I've heard that story before that you were just speaking about working uh, specifically. It seems to be chiropractors mostly when I've heard about saying, it, and, uh, and I've had chiros are the ones with the ego. Well, I've had this experience as well with chiropractors where we will share a patient, the doctor title, possibly we will share a patient, and the chiropractor will um, refer the patient to me, but then not not like tell me, hey, this is what I found. It's a, hey, it would be. This. I need you to work on her scalenes. And I'm like, well, that like it, it could have been. This is what I'm finding. Let me know what you think. It just could have been handled in such a better way. No, and I mean, because. I really wish we had chiropractors as listeners. I don't know that we do. I think mostly massage therapists listen to us, but I wish they knew that. Like you could have you could have RMT gold on your hands, Kairos, like stop telling them what to do and let them do their assessments and collaborate. And maybe they will learn something. From, like if you really think that you oh, no, know so that, much more than us, th- then that, let that, us learn from you. Don't that, just tell us what to do. That Cairo that you're working for wasn't there to teach you. You were there to do the soft tissue work so they can do what they need to do and make it easier. Right. So it's like, I need that to was get, completely I, the I, need, I need to get yep. into the TL junction. So can you work that area for me, please? Thanks. Yep. I need to get into the cervical spine. Can you work that area for me, please? Thanks. That's like, maybe not even the, th- the thanks at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't even like, this is what I found and let's discuss stuff. And wh- this is what can you, what would you do here? This is what I'm doing here. It wasn't that it was like, you know what? I need someone to do this for no, me. No, and that was and the thing is that the, the chiropractor that I'm speaking of didn't even really care to hear what I was no. working on with the patient. That was irrelevant, right? It was like, just massage them to make the adjustments easier. Exactly. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, I'm with you, Cheryl. That was just not how I wanted You're to work. Fluffer. I was like, let me do my own assessments. Let me come up with a treatment plan that I think makes sense. And I would have loved to be able to collaborate with her because I think we could have done so much better work. And I love that you use the term patient-centered because that's not where her head was. It wasn't what is best for this patient. It was like, I need you to do this this way to make my life easier. Did that chiropractor refer to themselves as Dr. So-and-so? All the time. Hmm. In fact, I once, because <laughs> her and I actually became like quite good friends. Um, as, a, make, as a person, I liked her a lot. Did she, make, did she want you to refer to her as doctor yeah, so outside of the clinic? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying me is as doctor of chiropractic. Her and I would hang out outside of work hours. Like we'd go for drinks or like we'd go for sushi dates. And so there was one day there was a patient in the waiting room and I just happened to turn to her and I, I referred to her by her first name. Because that's how I talked to her. We Shoot were friends. Look, eh? And she didn't say anything She's in like, the moment. Don't you fucking do that in the <laughs> clinic ever again. 
in the moment, she didn't say anything. But afterwards, she was like, hey, like not a big deal. But when there's patients around, I would really prefer if you referred to me as doctor. And I'm like, okay. Yes, ma'am. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you why, what, what made me leave. I'm going to tell you what made me leave the chiropractic clinic. Yes, but I want to know. <laughs> first, I'm going to preface it with a good chiropractic story. And, and honestly, I, in the building that I'm in, just down the hall from me, there's a chiropractor. So there's me, and then there's some psychotherapists. Um, I think three of them share an office. And then beside that, there's the chiropractor. And she is the sweetest person on the planet. And we refer people to each other and nobody tells anyone what to do, but we'll give each other, if if it's, you know, relevant, we'll give each other some information so that, you know, like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I introduced her one day by her first name to a, a, someone like one of my patients. And, and then... I turned to her after and said, I'm so sorry. I said, I shouldn't introduce you as, you know, doctor. And she just like laughed. She's like, don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. Like she's so no, no ego, not egotistical. So I just wanted to preface this Mm. little story with that, that I I have, you know, good experiences with chiropractors too. Oh, me too. Me too. By the way, I have a lot of chiropractors that I really love. I'm not hating on them. (laughs) I just didn't want it to sound like I was you know, for like so many reasons. But the reason I left um, was I just couldn't take it anymore. I, I, I was already feeling like, you know, this isn't exactly my, what I really wanted my practice to look like. And um, uh, there was a, a patient that we shared and, and they, she could not get um, this patient's mid back to, to, to go you know, it was stuck and, and she was like, you know, ur, 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 and for, for weeks and weeks. And so I, I did some sideline work with him, just like work the erectors and like just got worked in. I worked all the way down. Like I actually got like I get into the sideline. I get right into the psoas like I, I you know, um, <laughs> and and we just had this nice little like pop. Okay. Like it was just so nice. You could feel the muscle let go. Oh, it was so beautiful. And and I love that, that feeling. And and I I I'm a bit my patients laugh at me because I, I get very excited when things happen. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> this just happened. And he had so much relief and he felt so good. And it had been weeks and weeks of, of them trying to release this and and then it released during the massage. So when he went back to the chiropractor, instead of saying, oh, that's great that she helped you, she said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and she said, what she did was jam your facet joints. And I was like, that wasn't even possible with what I was doing. Right. But I'm like, why wouldn't you support me and say, oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad that you being... you know, patient focused that you had this relief. That is very bizarre. What is it that your cover photo says, Mark? Great things can happen when you don't care who gets credit. Yeah, something like that. I love that. I love that. That's my old cover photo. My new cover photo right now is I act the fool. You act like you're wise. We're We're both both liars. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a that's that's a weird move on that Cairo, and I can totally see where you're like, you know what, man, you know what, lady, you know what, doctor. I'm out of here. I, I get it. Yeah, I just thought, you know, like I need the support. So then when I when I actually made the move and I went to the physiotherapy clinic, I mean, it was like night and day. This the, every physio, like I I can't even explain to you how supportive they were. And they taught me everything. They that's where I got into the motor vehicle accident patients. When I the, the thing is, we're not taught about this in school. Okay. We're not taught about HKI and FISRA and, you know, billing for motor vehicle accidents. And well, not in my day anyway. I still, I I don't think they teach it now either. They might touch on it like a a, a, a drop. We touched on it ever so slightly. Like I started school. Like in your business class. 2008. You probably did a sprinkle of it. Yeah. This is is an OCF 18. This is an OCF 21. But like we've talked about before, my mind was so focused on like, I have an anatomy exam tomorrow. I have a palpation exam tomorrow. Like the HKI for all of that nonsense. Like that was literally the least of my worries when I was in school. It was like, I can figure out paperwork later. So... Do you think I learned anything from that? No, absolutely not. Zero. Okay. But again, like there's so much more to it, right? Than OCF 18s and 21s. Mm-hmm. And like, exactly. there's like all of the codes and, mm-hmm. and even, so I start working at this physiotherapy clinic and they're like, they're like, oh yeah. And the, I'm reading their notes and I'm like, what the heck <laughs> day? <laughs> it's like all foreign to me you know I was like oh this is like different shorthand <laughs> like I don't know what so I'd have to like figure it all out right and that took a lot of time to like just learn their language the physiotherapy language mm-hmm. and then um and then um when they were like yeah we're just we're you know this patient's billing under HKI and this and that and I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the clue. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're non-cat. And I'm like, huh? Like it was, (laughs) it just, none of it, like, and I learned really quickly, obviously, but it just wasn't something that I had been taught. Like I, I certified in 1996, right? So none of this was even a thing like talked about. So even in my refresher, of course, I wasn't going to find anything about that in my refresher, right? So I had to learn all of that through experience and, um, yeah, and I'm still doing it. So like, I think it's been about eight years since I've been doing MVA work and about three or four years ago, I went out on my own and, and was licensed as my own facility. So very cool, mm-hmm. which is not very common, apparently not at all, not at all. Not a lot of RMTs who, who are individually their own practice, having it licensed as a licensed facility. Yeah, that would be very rare. I mean, I myself was in a car accident in 2020. And I know a lot of therapists. So my ideal situation would have been to like build my dream team of therapists to, you know, deal with my rehab. But um, yeah, not a lot of the therapists I know want anything to do with having to fill out any of those forms. And they yeah, it was, uh, I ended up just going to where one of the clinics that the insurance, co- like they sent me a list of clinics that they have dealt with. And I ended up just going to one of them because it was just easier. Nobody wants to do all the paperwork. So good for you, Cheryl, because even I don't want to do all the paperwork. <laughs> Not just the paperwork, non-cat patients. So there's three different categories, right? There's MIG, yep. which is the minor 
advisory guideline. Then there's non-cat, non-catastrophic, and then catastrophic. Mm-hmm. And they have, and I, I, I'll never understand this, but they have different rates that they pay you for different categories. Yep. So uh, they have not raised these rates in, I'm saying, at least a decade, okay? That in at least a decade, every the cost of literally everything has like doubled or tripled since COVID. And our rates for massage therapy for one hour for non-cat, if it's catastrophic, you get uh, 89 dollars I've I've written this out quite a few times in my in my day. <laughs> and and they make you think that you can't charge HST, but you can on top of that rate. Um so I was initially only charging the the base rate without putting HST in it because I thought that was the maximum we were allowed in total, but it's not. You can add your HST on top of it. It comes out of a separate account for them and they get reimbursed. So totally, if you charge HST, you add your HST. But for non-catastrophic injuries, which could be, you know, a broke a, a, broke a bone or you know, I have a concussion and whiplash, just different, different injuries, right? Um, you make $58.19 for one hour. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> so that's why most people don't want to do it, you know, but I did it because, I mean, I was so busy and I just worked all the time and, and, and I kept doing it because it was such, and I, and I don't mean to sound hokey about it, but it was honestly such rewarding work and I learned so much and you know it was just one of the hits I took for being able to to have such fulfilling work so I wish there was more therapists actually who who loved to do that type of work more because I will say as a patient going to a place and seeing a therapist who's only making 50 what was it 58 27 58 19 whatever it was that you just said 58 and change um I, I really felt like the heart wasn't in it. I really felt like I was not getting the best possible care that I, I could have been getting. And um, yeah, that's really sad because it was at a time in my life where I'm like, I really need therapy right now. Like I had a concussion. I had whiplash. I'm like, I really need somebody to care and actually like give me a proper treatment plan right now. Yeah. Did you have a lawyer, a personal injury lawyer? No, I didn't. E- <laughs> Does the work for you have to feel rewarding? Or can you get a, can you as a therapist get away with it being like, eh, you know, it's, a, it's something I do and I do it well and it's a job and yeah. Or is it for you, it's got to be like, it's got to, it's got to fill the cup a little bit. No, if it's not rewarding, then I'd rather not work in it. Like I'd rather find something else to do. I, I honestly, I honestly like there's, and there's certain concessions you make to, to help people. Like if someone needs a light pressure, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's not therapy. It it just means that, well, you have to go lighter or wh- whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I, if they're emotional, like there's different reasons why you can't get in there and like just pummel on someone. Yeah, you know, um, I, I I tend to do very deep work and and I think um the, the, it's it's not 
Hmm. Like I don't use elbows. I don't do pressure points. I don't do any of that. I do cross fiber frictions and, and, and motions. So basically I'll chase a muscle sideways. I'll go against the fibers where it's tight. I'll feel it. I'll find it, which is usually the whole strand. And then I'll feel it and I push it across the fibers so that it has no opportunity to do anything but stretch. It has to stretch. So you're lengthening it manually. It has no choice. You're stretching it. And so, and which is what a lot of people don't do on their own. Right. Mm. And so push it and kind of slide down. So I'll do like, you know, I'll go with the muscle, but across it at the same time. And then, you know, you'll feel those releases and you'll feel it get looser and be able to stretch and, you know, not be so stationary and stuck. And, and I love doing that. And I think that's what really makes a difference. I, I really want people to get better long-term. Like I don't want to just help them for an hour on the table. I really want them to improve and then to not have to come so often and, you know, sort of get independent of the therapy, right? I think sometimes people, they're not very good at stretching and taking care of their own body. So I think that, you know, when it's left for so long, you need to really give them a hand. You need to break up some of that, the adhesions and that, you know, all that, the tissue that's stuck and scar tissue and whatever's holding that muscle. And then, and then they can actually do their stretches, right? If you have a patient that isn't responding, that isn't getting better, that is coming in week after week with zero change, what does that do for you? Do you feel, how does that make you feel? I, 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 I don't feel bad. I feel like we gave it a try. I don't lead people on to, to think that this is going to help if they come for like 20 sessions. Right. I say, you know, this doesn't help you in like, you know, like about four sessions. It, like, I mean, that would be maximum. Usually when I work with people, they'll feel a difference in the first treatment. Right. But but if it doesn't happen in like maybe maybe three or four sessions, I'm like, okay, you know, there's obviously something else here and, and maybe this needs to be addressed by another professional or you need, maybe you need imaging, whatever it is. Um, I've never hesitated to refer them out. It's, uh, and that's, that's something that people really have, like in London, that's what they know about me is that I won't, I won't continue to do something if it's not working. Is that something that you grow into as you develop as a therapist or is that, was that, was that something that sat with you from the beginning? No, I think I developed into that. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have like in the very beginning, cause in the very beginning, you're kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, you're like a baby deer and, and you were just delivered and then there's a predator and your mom's like, you got to run. <laughs> you know, we're all baby deers when we when we get out of school right we're like yeah oh i'm on my own because i can totally see that as a therapist that just comes out of school and then you get that client who has asthma and you're like i know an asthma treatment yeah <laughs> i read how to do this asthma treatment and then you do it like two or three times and that person's just like yeah i feel no different and then you feel like a fucking failure i can see how that would happen yeah i don't know if i ever had the feeling of failure but i know that when i was a young therapist and just starting out any condition that came through my door 
I wanted to think that like, there's something I can do for you. And so the the one that sticks out in my mind is there was a woman who came in and she couldn't open her mouth enough to even put like one knuckle in. Like there was, there was no opening. She had major TMJ issues. She was seeing myself and the chiropractor. Um, you know, I'd love to say we were being collaborative, but we were not. <laughs> the, the doctor? The doctor. Uh, <laughs> but she was seeing both of us and I was doing everything I knew to do for somebody with her TMJ dysfunction. I was doing everything that I knew to do. And she was being a good patient. She was following the treatment plan. She was coming in when I told her she had to come in. She was doing everything. And after a couple of weeks, like nothing was getting better. And when I say a couple of weeks, like she was coming in more than once a week. So after like maybe two and a half, three weeks, like nothing like there was zero improvement and yeah i had like this pit in my stomach like how did like how am i not getting anywhere with this person do you feel bad in that you're taking the person's money well and so and so that's that's the thing is finally i kind of came to this point where i was like like i i didn't know how to say it i wasn't confident enough so that's what i'm saying is i grew into that being able to say like listen this isn't working this is what i suggest this is who i i think you might want to go check out mm-hmm. in that moment when i knew like i have to refer her out i'm not helping her mm-hmm. i don't want to continue to take her money she's frustrated i'm frustrated everyone's frustrated it it doesn't make sense for her to continue to see me it's not working I was so scared and like I I just remember going to scared work that of. morning scared to have this conversation with her because I didn't know what I was going to say. It was like I had to admit to her like I don't know what else to do. I'm doing what I know how and it's not getting you anywhere. And once I did it, you know, once I ripped that bandaid off and I was like, you know, listen, I don't think this is the best. She, how did she receive that? She, um, I mean, she was disappointed. For sure. Her personality was not the most warm and loving right from the beginning. Um, that was another th- was another disa- challenge I had to <laughs> overcome. Was she, was she disappointed because she thought, hey, you're healthcare. This is something that you should know how to do. And I'm just a patient that's got this stuff. So why is... Uh, did there's, she think you were incompetent? There's No, I don't think so. But there's okay. two reasons I think she was disappointed. One, I think I was overly confident in the way that I presented things to her right. in the beginning because I really did feel like this is a condition unrealistic. that I can help with. And I think I did create unrealistic progress. expectations. Gotcha. Like I didn't tell her, oh, I'm going to fix you and you're going to be opening your mouth and everything's going to be normal and you won't have pain. Like none of that. But I was very confident that like we will see some improvement if you follow this plan that I've set out for you. Okay. Um, plus, as I said, she was seeing the chiropractor as well. I thought between the two of us, we are going to help this woman. We did not. I think that was one part of the disappointment. The other part, as I was saying, it was also just her personality. Like, I don't know if it was because she had been in pain for so long and because she hadn't gotten any relief, but she came in with a major chip on her shoulder to begin with. And I was like a 20 something year old kid to her. And I just felt like she she spoke down to me right from the beginning. What was her ac- occupation? Oh, man, I you're asking guess, me to remember. I want to guess really so many long things, time ago. Because I feel like this type of person is some sort of you had to go to school for a long time so i mean she wore pantsuits in nature (laughs) anyway it's just like that that i can picture i can picture this person but go ahead i actually don't remember what she did but she definitely was she she was definitely a professional she wore (laughs) pantsuits she had lipstick on at 7 30 in the morning so she was going somewhere okay but i want to disagree with you on the fact that you said that you didn't like it was like you didn't know what you you were doing. You know what? I think it shows a lot of 
professional integrity and that you did know what you were doing by saying, listen, this isn't working. And, 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 and at this point I've discovered that this isn't going to work for you. I think that shows that you knew what you were doing, to be honest. Right. And so now I know that, but as a 26, 27 year old and you're being talked down brand new therapist. Yeah, exactly. Being talked down to by this powerful woman that I then had to go in and say to her, like, there is nothing else I can do. You know, I need to refer you out to somebody because I have exhausted my my expertise here. Like this is this is as far as I can take you. Uncomfortable conversations, I feel like they always just go the wrong like the worst way imaginable, especially when you're already projecting that this is not going to be a comfortable conversation to be had. Did it go that way if you remember? Um from what I, I don't remember know, I'm as having I said, flashbacks to I a had, conversation I had to have with somebody. I had the feeling that she was disappointed. I didn't get the feeling like when you said oh that I was incompetent. I didn't get that feeling. Right. I think like I said, I think her disappointment was because she really thought I was going to be able to help her. Yeah. And also I think it was like another letdown. Like I said, she kind of walked in with a chip on her shoulder. Right. And my assumption, I don't know for sure, was that like if you couldn't open your mouth, like I even was thinking like how miserable would that be? Like yeah, she can't, you can't even, even enjoy she can't a double eat stuffed a burger. Like <laughs> she just, you know, she probably ate nothing but like mashed potatoes or something that could go in like really easily. So I I mean, I, I, felt, I felt for her. She wasn't super kind to me, but I mean... I know now that I probably could have given her a little bit more grace because she was probably just so uncomfortable all the time. Well, pain makes us act a little bit like irritable. Yeah. I was, I was, how old was I? I must've been like 20 and I was a personal trainer at a, at a a high end club downtown. And there was this guy that came in. Long before your, your um, massage therapy was that Mark. Oh man, I didn't be- more than ten years. He didn't become a therapist till he was thirty, till I, was, I think. Yeah, till I was, I, I, I was in massage school for my thirtieth birthday. Yeah, and that was the year that I graduated. So this is what ten years before, nine years before, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm in university, right? So, and this is my part time job. I'm a personal trainer at this high end club downtown, and this one lawyer guy that comes in every day at lunch, and he smells horrible, right? He makes the whole gym floor smell really bad, <laughs> and the club manager tells me you have to go tell him that he stinks and you have to get him off the floor. And I'm like, huh? And and so I'm already thinking this is the most uncomfortable conversation ever. And if you can watch this as a TV show, it just gets worse every time. So I go up to him, he's on the treadmill and he's running. And I'm like, sir, um, when you're finished on the treadmill, if you can step into the office, I just want to discuss something with you really quick. And he's like, what? Can you speak up? I can't hear you. Oh my so God. now I got to say this again. And he's like, no, why, why can't we just talk right here right now? And so now I'm yelling at the guy like, uh, it's been brought to my attention that, you know what I mean? It's like if you were to watch this on a TV show, you'd be like, the worst things are happening. All the-. So that's how I imagined. I don't know why I thought of that for your scenario. It's like, oh, you're dreading going into work. And then it's like the worst thing ever. She comes in and she was just in a car accident or she just lost her job. And you're like, oh, fuck. Now I got to tell her. Like, I can't. I, I, anyway. Thankfully, no. Thankfully, mine didn't go that bad. But now every time I see a scenario, because when I see that on TV or in a movie I'm like come on who really behaves like this in real life yes. it's true yes. that really happened, that to, happened you. to me <laughs> he's like no we could do we could talk about this right now I, I'm in a rush and then and then I start telling him something he's like I can't hear you I'm like speak up so now, tell the whole gym floor I that I stink yeah it's a very uncomfortable moment for 20 year old Mark <laughs> oh, you got traumatized I had one uncomfortable moment it was with one of my kid patients 
Oh my God. So I'm not like, I'm fairly worldly, you know, but, um, I didn't know, you know, that song past the duchy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you know what it's about? You're talking about the, the remake by musical youth. Yeah. Okay. You know what it's about, right? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> she's, she's doing the hand gestures behind you, Mark. You're missing all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have a clue what it meant. I just thought it was like, hey, okay, it was just uneducated about duchies, okay? <laughs> the Tim Hortons had brought back yeah. the duchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? For like a couple weeks or something. Oh, like a donut with raisins in it? Yep. They're fabulous. They're tasty treats. So I had this young girl. I was always trying to have fun with her and like keep her relaxed, you know, because she had some anxieties and she was young. And... um <laughs> So Tim Hortons had brought back his duchy. So I started singing that song. <laughs> and and then she started chiming in and I'm like, pass the duchy. And she'd go from the left-hand side. <laughs> famous. And then I thought, gee, I wonder what that song's about. Like I just, I, you know, it was about food. Pass, you know, the duchy was meant like it was some kind of food. <laughs> so I go and I, I, I Google it. And I just went like, my whole body went hot. <laughs> I, I swear it felt like people describe menopause. Like I just like the uh, hot, hot flash. flash. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. I'm like, I'm going to lose my license. Uh, uh, I'm like, I'm <laughs> horrified. You know, like what if she's singing this to her parents? Right you thought now? there was a song about a donut. Well, because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a remake, right? That, yes. That's a remake by a, by, a, by a musical group called Musical Youth. And the original song is Pash the Coochie uh, by uh, the Mighty Diamonds or something like that. It's like a hardcore reggae song, but yeah. Her mom was not upset at all, and she started calling me like Cheech. <laughs> <laughs> so it was such a relief that they had some comic relief about it, and I thought I am never saying ever again to anybody until I Google the lyrics first. I would have preferred to be Chong though. <laughs> <laughs> that is anyway. really funny. That is really funny. You know what? The people do have to be really careful about songs. So I will tell you. I win mom of the year for this one. My kids really love music. I mean, their father is a musician. And so they there's music on at our house all the time. We have guitars and bass guitars. We have drums. We have a keyboard. Like music is their life. Um, I was actually, I just came from their piano lesson before we started recording today. So they're really into music and they like all types of music. Like they'll listen to classic rock music. They'll listen to Taylor Swift. They'll listen to soca music. Like they like it all. And so I have Spotify and we have Spotify in our TV at home. And I mean, I'm always like supervising them while they're listening to stuff. But anyway, I was helping them build a playlist. And when you're building a playlist on Spotify, based on the music you choose, there will be like recommended songs because they start to get an idea of like, okay, this is the type of music you're doing. So we were building a playlist that had like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and like, you know, stuff that little girls like. And all of a sudden the song comes on that I was like, oh, you guys might like this song. So I start playing it and they're having fun and they're dancing. Do you know what song it was? No, what was it? Cake by the Ocean. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what that song is about? Mm. <laughs> it's not cake, guys. Mm. Not a donut. The cake is not a cake. It's all, not a cake. All those songs, like, like I'm just waiting for the little one to really listen to the lyrics of like Katy Perry, Last Friday Night. Oh yeah, like, they sing oh, it all the time too. Oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? We all, I mean, pff, I listened to all all that stuff that had, 
you know, adult lyrics to it, and I turned out to be an upstanding gentleman. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> Cheryl sings past the duchy to her, her, her children <laughs> patients. Easy there, Cheech. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So good. Well, I have Hi, to. I'm here for my appointment with Cheech today. <laughs> Cheech. My appointment's at 420. <laughs> oh, man. So good. So good. Oh, my goodness. Actually, now that you say that, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow's 420, guys. And Mark is a self-proclaimed uh, pothead, so he can celebrate tomorrow. That's why. There's a barbecue down the road for me to get to my place from town. There's like, I call it like Marijuana Alley. There's like, literally like, there's like shops and like camper vans like that are all selling marijuana. And you, have, you drive through this and they're like on every side of the street. And they're having a 420 barbecue tomorrow. And I didn't even put it together. Thank you. There you go. Mark, you want to go to Manitoula Island tomorrow? That sounds fun. <laughs> I can get my, my munchy craving satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, I have to like switch gears a little bit because the, yeah, the main reason. You want to know why she's crazy enough we, to want to do well, a we, magazine? But, okay, but we haven't even introduced that yet. Her and I talked about this off mic. The main, main reason. I mean, I've had so much fun talking to you, Cheryl. I'm really glad we did this. But the main reason that we invited Cheryl to come onto the podcast was because she had created a post on, on Facebook saying like, I'm thinking of starting a massage therapy magazine, like written by massage therapists for massage therapists. What do you guys think? And yeah, we were like, ha she's crazy. Let's bring her on. Let's talk. This is a lot of work. But I'm just kidding. You're not crazy. I do. I do a lot of crazy things. Okay. I, I'll own it. Yeah. No, already it's, it's, yeah. Um, hmm. So I've had some content sent into me already. Okay. Um, which is good, but realizing the amount of work. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about like work, you know, editing, uploading. That is not a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work, but mm -hmm. it's not the work that I'm finding is the work. The work is when people come to you. And I don't want to give any specific examples because I don't want anyone to feel. No, we will keep this very general. So in general, and it's not bad. It's just hmm, in general. So someone comes to you and just say they're like. It's like maybe like an alternative therapy, like a modality that's not maybe even within our scope. Right. But they're like, yeah, there's this great thing and, you know, I'm working on it and and, and I have great, great results with my, with my patients and I really want to tell the world. About and then they're telling you about what it is that it is. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no. Oh no, this person is going to get like everyone's going to come for you. If you write an article saying that this is the work you're doing. And I, so I I try so basically with some people I I just try to guide them so it becomes a job where you're almost like you're you're spending time being a consultant. Right. And I'm like I want you to write about this. Please write about this, but please don't write about it as this is the therapy you're doing because it is not in our scope of practice. First of all, to do this, you know, our scope is, you know, soft tissues, joints, right. Manipulation. Um, it's, it's 
but what you're talking about can be a secondary or tertiary effect of the actual treatment, right. the manipulation of the muscles, the soft tissue and the joints. So does that person realize that before they, they start telling you all this stuff and wanting to submit stuff to you? In other words, do they know exactly where they stand? And then they're like saying like, I know where I stand and I want to put this out. Or are they like, oh, I didn't know that until you told me. No, I, I've actually had, I, 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 the, the, there's been a gratitude expressed toward me for like suggesting the, a, a, an approach that like, I think people sometimes get gung ho on these alternate therapies and things, but like, they don't realize that that's not really like, you can't go in and say, oh, this is what I'm treating. You know, you have, you, <laughs> cause that's not what within our scope to treat. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and quite frankly, they're probably not actually treating that anyway, but there is a secondary effect that's happening to what they're working. Right. So then you have the conversation that says, listen, I don't want you to get in shit for whatever you're going to put out here. And, but I do think it's, this is a, this is something that is of interest. I think that this could educate a lot of people go back to the drawing board and and let's write this in a way that's not going to land you in discipline. <laughs> okay. Exactly what so I feel like I'm like advising like so so this is more than like I'm like oh jeez I thought this was just going to be like oh yeah just send me your your shit. It's tough because the, because you can imagine a lot of people that already do a lot of writing or or used to writing they've submitted to places and, and so you know what I mean so like they're not they're, they're not the ones that are so hot to be like oh I really want my stuff in an, in another magazine another publication whatever. So you end up getting mm-hmm. a lot of people that have some probably great ideas and do some really cool things and you're just like oh I just I just want to make sure you know what you're doing here and what if that person did come back and say listen I know exactly where I stand and I know it's slightly maybe slightly maybe not within scope at all and I don't care I, I want to put it out the way I want to put it out would you be like oh, okay sure I'm going to do it then or would you still be apprehensive about it um no I mean I, I it's not that I'd be apprehensive about it but I'd be like you know I, I think that that if it's an RMT magazine, it's, it's about registered massage therapy. I think that it has to stay within the scope. Like if, if you're writing outside of the scope, then, then it's, it doesn't even fit the, the format of, of what I want to produce. About what you want to do with your magazine. Yeah. Like I want, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want any, any kind of unproven, unscientific, um, information to be passed around if if there's backing for it and if it's within our scope but i think that's the one the one thing that really has to has to stick throughout the whole every article is that it has to be within our scope and and if it's not within our scope you can talk about it but don't say that you're treating people for it and 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 yeah and like you said you don't want the person who's writing it to end up in hot water and then you uh as the creator of the magazine, as the editor, you probably don't want to attach your name to something because then it seems like you are, you know, you're supporting it. I think it, I think a lot of it comes down to the vision of, of whatever the publication is. For sure. And if your vision is very, this is, this is, this is a hardcore educational magazine for massage therapists, then yeah, you're, you're, you're on the right lines. 100%. Versus what we do. We have, 
we're a magazine and we well one of the things we have is a magazine and it is not meant to be a hardcore no. educational type of magazine it is it is meant to be the what the hell what did I just read? This is in a massage magazine. It's meant to be that, and it's meant to it's meant to say, "Hmm, this this doesn't. I don't know if this feels right, and I want to know why this doesn't feel right, and I want to talk about this." And that's what that was. That's kind of what we do, right? But I totally get where you, where you're coming from. That's wonderful. But yeah, that's that's what you're running, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a publication that 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 recently stopped. Was it Massage Therapy Today, Amanda? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, was it Massage Therapy Today? Hold on. Oh, maybe I should just Google it. I'm pretty sure it was Massage Therapy Today. No, or is that the no? Because arm- I still That's get the I still get Massage Therapy Today. No, it's Massage. I just ma- went Massage blank. Therapy Magazine. Hang on. Not Massage Mag. That's a that's an American magazine. Massage Therapy Magazine. Massage, massage Therapy Canada. Canada. I think that's it. Was it Massage it's, Therapy Canada? I'll yeah. know as soon as I see the cover. So Massage Therapy Canada, uh, let me see, podcasts, webinars, features. Yeah, so this this magazine, they've... they've Massage Therapy yeah, Canada. Yeah, Massage Therapy Canada. Yeah, they closed so was, in the fall. Was is, is the idea to kind of pick up where they left off? No, no, they're, no, no, not at all. Like, this has a different... And and just so you know, like I had a great relationship. With them. Like I said, I was on their cover twice. Yeah. Um, you know, in recent years, um, they just did a, a cover uh, story about my um, my laryngeal work um, for speech and swallowing, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Like I really appreciated the opportunities. But the only thing, the the one thing that's different with mine is that. You know, again, like like this, you know, when I get people who want to write about something that that's not within our scope, I just redirect them and say, edit it and send it to me. Right. right yeah. Like edit it in that in those ways so that it fits into our scope and then send it to me. Like I'm not deciding who gets to contribute, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, I mean they would say, okay, you know, they would seek out people and, right. and shoot to write this. I'm not choosing anyone. I'm like, anyone wants to submit, just send me a message and, you know, and, or, or send me your article and I'll take a look. And you know what I mean? Like there, this is really something I want to be written by RMTs. RMTs decide to post their own content. And then, you know, you're going to eventually over the years have this one place where you can go and access a whole bunch of this information, right? Was there ever the, was there ever the thought to, to approach the magazine that went under that already had a brand that already has distribution that, and to, to see if there was any way to, to carry that on no i never really thought of that i'm used to doing things the hard way i built my own house well we 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 spoke with them before we started to do the magazine that because we wanted to have an idea of like you know what was their distribution like you know what was we wanted to have and we wanted to have an idea of like what would the cost be to 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 acquire it and all the rest of it before we before we went on our cockamamie ways and (laughs) (laughs) and decided to do something completely different what was your motivation for a magazine like i you crazy I saw, you know, I saw that you wanted something like you said for RMTs by RMTs, um, and have you come up with a concept yet? Meaning, like, do does it already have a title? Do you have an idea of like when we're actually going to get to see this? I, I want all the details. Yeah, like, well, that just depends. That just depends on how much content I get. Um, 
rolling in. I think things like this will help, like, you know, kind of raise people's awareness mm-hmm. that I want their content. I suppose I could I could start bugging people um, a little bit more on the Facebook group. Uh, you know, I... I can't remember your whole question. Sorry, there was a lot of things. Basically, I just wanted to have an idea of like what motivated you, why a magazine? You know, I know lots of people, for example, podcasts were really hot for a minute where everybody everybody was starting a podcast. And so what is it about the idea of doing a publication that appealed to you? Well, doing a podcast, like you have to be there, like you have to, like you can do, like you can be like right now, you know, I mean, if, if I wasn't here, like I put on a shirt you know, like I have my bad fleece on right now, or like my cashmere wool sweater, or you know, looking like a lumberjack. <laughs> like Do you have any I adult could... onesies? I feel like that would be a good a good outfit for you out there. <laughs> it probably would be, except most adult onesies are made out of that fleece and wet in it. All right, no adult yeah. onesies. Got it. <laughs> I'm perimenopausal, so when you put out the call for content. What percentage of people were like, how much am I going to get paid? Nobody's asked about money so far. Wow. Because it's like, you know, it's a magazine. Like, I think that that just hearing that maybe, yeah. like, it's a magazine for RMTs by RMTs. Like, I think they there's something that's almost insinuated that there's no payout. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to be involved? Let's do this. And But I think uh, when someone's asking for, I mean, I understand why people ask for money because they're doing work and they want to get paid for it. But sometimes, man, sometimes exposure is so much more worth than whatever freaking money you're going to get for something. Like there's so many times where I turn down lots of money for for content and and I trade it for some sort of exposure instead. I'm like, don't pay me this. How about this? We'll work this out. And that dough would expire a long time after this type of exposure lives on. Yeah. I think that's something that I I want all of y'all listening is like, sometimes, man, that exposure is worth more than whatever hundreds or thousands of dollars you want in that moment. And if you are somebody that is submitting content to a publication like Cheryl's, uh, you never know who's going to be reading it. It can lead to so many opportunities and even just the opportunity to share your knowledge, right? Because in now that everybody has a platform, everybody has Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and whatever, it, things just tend to get lost. Everything so having lost. the Everything ability to, to have a platform and draw people in and get to, you know, let people know what you know, and maybe you didn't have a way to do that before. There's just so much value in that. And it can lead to so many cool things. And I know I've said this before, but I, I really mean it. This podcast has given me opportunities that I never would have had just because people listen to me. This podcast <laughs> has given guests opportunities yeah. that they would have never had. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's one of the things like when we jumped in with the guys that do the, the Canadian Massage Conference, because now we're were part owners and organizers of it like that was one of the things that we really wanted to hit home is like it's not about us at all it's not about us it's not about our our conference it's not about massage therapy media it's all about let's get these people that have this talent the exposure that we really want them to have and that's the idea 
Yeah. Right. So like, uh, for example, Scott, one of the partners for the Canadian Massage Conference, when they used to have their magazine, I can't remember, it might have been called like Canadian RMT magazine. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, and this is when he used to run, they used to run a lot of conferences in Canada and the States and all the rest of it. He was, he was telling me, he's like, listen, those older cats that, 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 that weren't so old at the time, they were, they were right in the prime of them doing all their education or up and coming doing their education, like the James Oslowski's and the Walt Fritz's and all the rest of it, the Whitney Lowe's. He's like, those cats got put into publication thousands and thousands and thousands of times because we were doing this kind of stuff. We gave them so much exposure. It's insane. And that's the idea. I really love giving RMTs or anyone that does something really cool as much exposure as possible. I love it that Nikki, people freaking know Nikki and send Nikki information and, and contact Nikki about all this stuff because they heard her on our podcast. Yeah, I love cool. it how Michelle Ratz, who we just did a, who we just did a, a um a podcast with like she found her business coach for her now thriving business through our podcast she found robert gardner through our podcast and like that's the idea i love i i, I love helping someone to get to get to an audience that they might not have gotten to and i really grateful for someone taking a chance and coming on our podcast because we are not for everybody. We're rough around the edges. We get a lot of shade thrown our way because of what we are and what we do. And I'm really grateful that someone says like, you know what, I can kind of look past that because I understand what you guys are up to. And, and, and I'm going to jump in on that. And I'm really grateful for those folks. Yeah, man. It would be hard to say no to you, Mark. After we had our phone call, I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. We have to do this. <laughs> He's a persuasive guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you took the phone call. It's because you didn't block me on Facebook that I was able to send you a message. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny because poor Mark does get blocked a lot. It's, 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 it's funny because sometimes I just want to see what's going on in a conversation. I think I said this last time. I'll see, a, I'll see a thread going with 44 comments and I see 12 of them. I'm like, God damn it. I wish I wasn't blocked. I just at least want to read what's going on here. <laughs> but I'm excited for you, Cheryl. I'm excited yes. that people are already sending you content and that you're going to be able to do like what Mark said. You're going to be able to do this for other people, yes. like give them a platform and get them in front of a bigger audience. And I mean, it's all about it, community. Yeah, it helps everybody. Like people are going to learn things that they might not have learned before. Connections are going to be made. Like it's so cool to see all of the RMTs that, um, like Mark said, like that have connected because either they've, you know, been to one of our networking events or the conference or been on the podcast. And I, I do feel really good about it. It's I feel really good community. that we're helping people make connections, which is ultimately helping them get better in their careers. Like that podcast with Michelle the other night was so nice because her business is just thriving. And like, she's, she's done a whole like 180 with rebranding and changing around her whole practice. And this came from her connecting with people that she heard here. So it's, it's super cool. How do you, how do you deal with, with, with the people that the comments and the people that, cause you're going to get them no matter what, even if your product is stellar gold, you're always going to get some yahoos that, and I just call them yahoos, but you're entitled to have your opinion. And I, and I enjoy reading your opinions or getting the emails, which in the case, I'm still reading your opinions. Are you prepared to deal with like the shit that's going to get thrown your way? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a good shit dealer with her? <laughs> dealer with her? Yeah. 
Are you I, I, like so? No, I I tend to get blocked. <laughs> you've got the thick skin that can deal with it. And to be honest with you, if you're when you're going, it's not even if when you do this kind of stuff, you got to have a certain amount of thick skin because no matter what you do, there's always going to be a nice handful of people that just won't like what you do and have everything terrible to say about it. And as long as your vision is fucking gold and and you've got the motivation, good on you, man. I I'm 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 really cheering you on on this. Thank you. You know, I recently got some shade. I actually deleted my post and reworded it. It was about the practice profile. Yeah. And and I just said, well, why is everybody worrying about this? And and in retrospect, <laughs> like I, I was just talking to my peers and I thought it was okay to, you know, just throw out. You have to understand too, there's a generational thing, right? Like, so I just said, you know, you'd, you'd have to literally be like a total nitwit not to get to pass this <laughs> nitwit i i used the word nitwit oh my god <laughs> oh my god they came after me oh, i can imagine Ooh. that that was a witch With hunt a lot that of, happened a lot of vitriol and i'm thinking like nitwit is such a nice fun little word <laughs> but that was that was the point mark was making it doesn't matter how stellar of a person you are or how stellar your product is there's always going to be someone who takes issue with it which is fine i like and, that and it's I okay like but it's yeah just making sure that as long as you know what you're doing and you're proud of the the product then you just have to be okay with people saying like i can't believe you do. cheryl i can't believe you used the word nitwit <laughs> I did apologize and I reworded it because I thought, okay, well, I don't want, I really don't want to offend anyone. But like, like I thought, oh my God, I was just trying to ease everybody's mind and say, hey, you know what? This, you know this stuff. And if you don't. You're nitwit. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know what's funny? I just had this conversation with our two children. I was driving them home from piano and my youngest um, just learned Ode to Joy in class today. Okay. And so my oldest daughter, she learned Ode to Joy probably a month ago. You know, she's older, so she's she's progressing she's quicker, a lot yeah. quicker. And so I was telling, you know, big sister, hey, little sister learned Ode to Joy today. And my little one said, yeah, it was really hard. And the older one was like, that song was like the easiest song I've learned. And I just looked at her and I said, was that helpful in any way? <laughs> what was your point in making your sister feel bad that it's going to take her a little bit longer to learn this like that's great that it came so easy to you but anyway that's that's what I was thinking of when you're like you have to be a real nitwit there was probably people who were like I didn't I didn't get it oh I know but I don't think there's anyone who's who's actually done the practice profile who didn't like pass like that I've heard of like I mean it's like even if you get a couple of them wrong there were a couple of questions that's multiple choice that is multiple choice. Would you rather have to write out the answer? You know, they give you the answer and they have to try and trick you up a little to make sure you're really comprehending it, right? And then sometimes you just miss that little nuance and you're like, oh yeah, that's it. But it's like, that's that that would have been it if they hadn't put in this one little right. teeny weeny trickery, you know? And so it's it's not bad if you get a couple wrong or whatever. But for me, it was like, as long as you're passing, you know, you know, the bulk of it, like, I mean, okay, um, excuse me, but like, a, a, a patient, like, comes on to you sexually, like, are you supposed to take their advance? Like, <laughs> we know that, like, this is, these are, were not questions yeah, that yeah. were like, you know, so 
you know, tell us the code for, you know, what, what is a, you know, what level of concussion, you know, would you have? Like, like there's just no. It's all stuff we know. And a majority of it is common sense. I mean, we know the standards anyway, but even if you, even if you're not a hundred percent, like I know this standard back and forth. I mean, like you said, if a patient comes on to you, what do you, what do you do? (laughs) Say yes and go have some wine. Like (laughs) How, how much did it suck or did it not suck for you that you felt you had to apologize for, your post that you didn't really mean any fucking harm by it. You were just kidding. So (laughs) one, did you think like, God damn it, this fucking sucks that I even have to go through this or, or are you like, "Mm, you know, okay, I kind of see it. Maybe I can see how people would read this and that wasn't my intent. So I want to go back and, and, and do this over. Or were you like, God fucking damn it. Like, come on guys. And then you had to go do it anyway, because you're trying to be, you're trying to be right about things. Um, I was just like, <sighs> I get it. Fine. Like, I mean, you know, I think that what the world has forgotten and doesn't really um, take into consideration anymore is intent. The, the, the art of recognizing intent is lost. Yeah. People don't, don't um, compute intent anymore they, they they just dissect words and then they put them into a narrative that suits whatever they want to argue about <laughs> yeah you know that that not in every instance of course but that happens all the time oh, you can yeah. say something so benign and people are outraged and it's like, and I don't mean me. I don't always like, I'm not always saying outrage, you know, (laughs) like anyone I mean in the world can say something so benign. Sometimes I'm like, would you guys just stop being so mean to this person? Like clearly that's not what they meant. Yeah. Intent is important, but there's a fine line too. And this is where like, well, there's some people that just hunt, just go on the hunt. Exactly. There are people who are waiting for you to screw up, but there, okay. So there is a fine line. And I do agree that even if your intent was pure, if the impact was very harmful, there should be an apology. Definitely. But like you said, Cheryl, if you are an intelligent enough person to recognize that the intent was not malicious, you might be able to say to the person like, hey, that was like, that was not really great the way you worded that or that could be offensive Mm -hmm. or that hurt me and give give them the opportunity to then apologize because most people when they're they don't feel attacked, they can think clearly and realize, oh, you know what, I could have worded that differently. I could have done that that differently. I could have handled that in in a more appropriate way to not have such a negative impact. So I do agree that impact matters. But intent mm-hmm. has to matter as well. And it's like we're we're adults. That's the thing that trips me up so much is when I see somebody, as you said, like being really like mean or aggressive with somebody who I find like this is very obvious that their intent was not malicious. Like we're adults. We expect children to speak more respectfully than we are dealing with each other. It is wild to me. Um, and like Mark said, I, I I get my fair share of hate and, and, and all of that, but I, I refuse to, I refuse to stoop to that level. I'm not going to attack anyone personally. If I offend someone, I will apologize, but I also do. I also do always let them know what my intent was like in case it wasn't clear. 
this is what I was meaning. And if you took it a certain way, if it was offensive, I apologize, but here's what my intent was. And the the but isn't to negate what may have been my impact. But again, it's like, are you really upset or were you just waiting for that opportunity to attack me because I'm me? I'm me. <laughs> you don't really like me. You bring up something really interesting that was occurring to me as you were talking about that. And it's that the person who's offended in the beginning ends up being spitting way more vitriol and being way more mean than the initial comment ever was. See, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I, I must have. I must have done all this stuff at some point. And I know I, I, I do it, but I also do it in the defense of somebody else that's getting the heat on it. But then I also have this little piece on the end. I'm a child and don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> so I don't feel like I have to now go back and, and be all adult about it because I'm just going to tell you straight off. Like, I, one, I'm an idiot, so don't listen to anything I say, but this is what I think. And I think that's how I just kind of put the icing on the cake. Does that make sense? So I don't feel the need to go back and and apologize or defend or blah blah blah. Like if you took me serious from from the get go, like and and I disclaimed on it, like I'm an idiot. Then you know what? It's on you. <laughs> yeah, no. Like I like I said, I don't necessarily feel the need to defend myself or, or anything like that. I don't. Anymore. But I do. Like I, I said, to. I do. I do feel that if somebody tells me like, hey, what you said on this podcast was very offensive. I didn't like that. I will listen to their concern. Like, okay, what was it that I said? And then I will hear it. And if it's something that I'm like, okay, I see how that could negatively impact people, then I will apologize. That is different than someone just saying like, I think everything you say is stupid and, you know, just attacking me personally because they don't agree with my opinions. In that case, I defend nothing. And I'm just like, okay, well, don't listen to me. Like, the end. You don't like what I have to say. I did not force you to download my podcast. Like, just don't. So far, I think this has been a totally fun experience. I'm glad you think so. (laughs) Well, Cheryl, since uh, we are going to be probably wrapping up soon, do you want to leave contact information for people who are listening, who are interested in contributing to the um, upcoming publication? Um, How can people reach you? Socials? What do you got? Um, Well, actually... That now that is a good question. I suppose I suppose I should open up a page for this, huh? <laughs> We're getting there step by step. You know what? Oh gosh, I haven't even done that for for my RMT practices. I never had to do these things for my practice. So you know what? I'll start up a, a magazine that I, I I do have a URL for it already, and it's rmtmag.com. So. It's pretty straightforward. At this moment, how are people sending submissions to you? Are they sending them to you through Facebook? Through Facebook. Through um, Well, they, they, they contact me through my Facebook and then I give them my email and then they, they send me through my email. All right. So let people know how they can find you on Facebook then. And then also when we publish the podcast, I, uh, we will tag you in the published version so that people can find you. Okay. You know what? I'll start a Facebook page for it. And, um, and then I'll send that to, is that, is that okay? Or like maybe I'll put a starter page on the, on the magazine, on the URL. Sure. Great. And then, um, have a contact on there. Create a Facebook page because you're probably going to do one anyway. Right. And then that way we can even just put the link to the Facebook page. Yeah. We'll put the link. Because so, that way it's not always, it's not so, if you ever change your mind on it, it's really easy to to change and make, 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 you know. It's not so permanent. Yeah. So it's easier. So everybody listening, if you're interested or if you have a 
passion for writing, if you have knowledge that you think more RMTs should uh, be aware of, but you don't know how to get the information out, connect with Cheryl. She's going to be starting a RMT magazine by RMTs, for RMTs. And remember that if you're submitting articles, make sure that there is science-based and that it is within scope. Does it have to be within scope for Ontario? Like, what if you get some cat in the States that's doing something something different, but it's in scope for them in the States or in scope for them in Australia? Would you take it then or no? It's really kind of primed for Ontario. This is... No, it's it's really it's really targeted for Ontario. Gotcha, I gotcha. should I should probably make that clear. Yeah. Cool. I think I think we can have our uh, I mean there's there there are huge numbers of RMTs in Ontario. I think we have enough of a base. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And we have we we all have the same requirements, you know? Like it's I think I think I as as broad as I want the content to be, uh the contributors, I think it's better to keep it simple. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk to us. And um, I can't wait to see what the finished product of the magazine looks like and possibly your house because all I see right now is a blanket for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, I mean, yeah, it's it's literally like studs, studs <laughs> and, um, and uh, OSB and uh, like, and like, um, uh, wires for my wiring, you can see all the wiring. <laughs> so we'll have to bring you back on once everything gets rolling and yeah. that way we can we can do an update on we'll this. do a follow-up once sounds the good. first issue of the magazine is ready to go cool 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 hey that sounds fun right on you guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone peace <laughs>